Kia ora whanau. Pastor Dave Connell here from Bay City Church in Hastings and uh, today I want to extend a very warm welcome to all of you that are watching online and uh, I pray that today that through this message and through God, what God does here in this house that you would be absolutely blessed. I'm going to be preaching today on prosperity and it's actually God's plan and His purpose that you and I would prosper. And prosperity is not just about finances but it's about every part of our life. Prosperity means to be moving forward, to be progressing, to be able to take ground. And I pray that wherever you are in this, uh, in your life today, that you will experience God's prosperity, that you would see a moving forward in your life, that you would see a moving forward in your relationships, that you would see a moving forward in your walk with God, and of course that you'd also see a, a moving forward financially. I pray that God will bless you, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate that. And if you're watching online, I want to welcome you today. And uh, I encourage you to stay online because I believe this message is going to touch your life. And so don't be tempted to go and, go and have a look at Facebook or, or have a look at Trade Me or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I know what it's like. And it's great to see you here today. I want to extend a very, very warm welcome to you today. And uh, I really believe in my heart that God has wanted to touch your life. I believe today that God was wanting to prosper you. Somebody say prosper. Turn to the person next to you, tell them God wants to prosper you. Nothing like a little bit of controversy whenever our churches start to speak about prosperity. <laughs> but actually, God does want to prosper us. It is the plan of God that we do not remain poor and that, he, that you experience the prosperity of God. And prosperity simply means to be moving forward. That's simply what it means. Prosperity is just that you're moving forward. Prosperity is not something that is a static, it's not a static place that you just get to. Prosperity is something, it's a motion. Prosperity is the motion of moving forward. It's the, the motion of increase or, or building in your life. And so for us to be moving forward in our faith, that is prosperity. For you to be moving forward in God, for you to be moving uh, and to be growing in your emotions, to be able to be growing in your heart, to be growing financially, wherever you are, prosperity is not a static point that you just get to one day. It is the process of moving forward. And uh, one of the things I want to encourage us to is that we have that mentality in our heart that one, God wants us to prosper. God wants me to prosper. God wants you to be moving forward in every area of your life. Anything that is healthy will be growing. And today I want to, uh, I've really just been feeling God speak to me over this. And, uh, and especially last week, I brought out the scripture here. And this is where we want to start off today. Is uh, one that Isaac in Genesis chapter 26 and verse 12 to 14. And Isaac sowed in that land. Generosity starts by an investment. You have to invest somewhere in order to be prosperous. You don't just become prosperous. You don't just become, uh, it just doesn't happen automatically. The, it starts off where Isaac, he sowed into the land. He, he made an investment. If you're going to grow in your life, if you're going to grow in your emotions, if you're going to grow in God, if you're going to grow in, uh, in every aspect of your life, it, t it starts with an investment somewhere. You have to sow a seed. You have to pay a price. You have to give something up. You have to put something into it. If you want to see your family grow, if you want to see your children grow to become emotionally healthy, you have to invest into their lives. Can I say an amen? amen. Right. See, God wants to prosper us in, all, in every part of our life. So it says, the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper. Somebody say, began to prosper. 
And he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. So he had an abundance of flocks and possessions of herds. Uh, I, I want to just bring out another scripture in 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Somebody say, all things. In all things, God wants us to prosper. So it's in every aspect of our life. And we're not going to unpack it just at this point of time right now. But I want you to start to be able to thinking that in every ifs, Every area of your life, every facet of your life, God wants you to be able to prosper. I mean, it's all through the Bible. I mean, we can go through every, we can go through nearly every book of the Bible and you can experience prosperity. Prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So your soul can also prosper. Uh, I want to encourage you on that. Uh, and in Philippians 4 verse 12, it says, I know, or I have, Paul said, I know how to be abased, or I have learned how to be content. Sometimes we need to learn how to be content. We're so used to getting everything that we desire that actually we need to be able to learn contentment. One of the things I'm very, very grateful for in my own family is uh, we have learned how to be content. In other words, prosperity is different from being covetous or coveting what other people have. Being content is different from being prosperous. Actually, I'm content with what I have, but I also believe that God wants to prosper me. It's kind of like a paradox, and you'll find that this is all the way through life. It's one thing to learn with contentment. And one of the reasons that people get into poverty is because they're not content with what they have. It's actually motivated by a different spirit. They're looking at what somebody else has and comparing what they don't have to them. That is not prosperity. All right? God wants us to be prosperous, and, the, and it goes on to say, I have learned how to be content. So contentment is something that you can learn. Sometimes you have to learn it the hard way. <laughs> how many people know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? It's like, sometimes you're just going to learn things the hard way. There's the easy way to learn things. There's the hard way to learn things. Sometimes we've got to learn how to be content. And, and he also goes on to say, and I, have, I know or how I, I have learned how to abound or I have learned how to prosper. I have learned how to prosper everywhere and in all things. I have learned to both be full and hungry and both to abound and to suffer need. So in other words, what he's saying here is I have learned if prosperity is something that can be learned, then that means it must be available to everybody. There is no reason, regardless of where you are, how you've started in life, where you are right now, it doesn't matter where you find yourself in life. What Paul is saying here is he, he has learned how to both be content and he has learned how to prosper. I'm going to learn how to prosper. Somebody going to learn how to prosper today. So in other words, if he has learned how to prosper, it cannot be then that some people are just lucky and some people aren't. It's easy to look at somebody and say, they must be lucky because they have a good family, they have healthier marriage. They must be lucky because they have an abundance of possessions. No. Prosperity can be learned. There is no reason that no one here cannot be prosperous. Once again, I remind you that prosperity is not just a, a single destination. Prosperity is moving forward. The actual definition of it is that there is a forward movement, that we are growing, that we are making ground, that we are making gain, that there is a favor on our lives. And it is God's plan for your life. And this is sometimes for many people, it's a struggle. And this is why I'm going to unpack why, how, do we, how do we begin to prosper? Because sometimes we just don't even get off the ground of prosperity. 
We're so used to living in slavery, so used to living in lack, and actually we don't understand what it means to prosper. But yet it is the God, it is the plan of God that we would prosper, otherwise it wouldn't be written in there. It is God's plan that your marriage prospers. It is God's plan that your children are prospering emotionally. It is God's plan that you are uh, that you're financially prospering, that you are prospering in God, that you're prospering spiritually. The Bible says that, uh, it, that the, the, the word prosper literally means to push forward or to pass through and to get on. It carries the idea of thriving or moving forward. It also means to grow and to increase. If it can be learned, then it can be planned and scheduled. If prosperity can be learned, you must be able to plan it in your life. You must be able to, because when you start to schedule it, when you, when you really believe, if we believe that it can be learned, in other words, it has, because it's a learning thing, it has to do with our thinking, not our environment around us. Paul said, I have learned how to prosper in all things in every way. He is writing this when he is chained up in the most deepest, darkest dungeons. So in other words, he is writing this when his environment, his physical environment is very dark. In other words, if you, look at the, if you look at the physical environment that he was in, he was basically, uh, the, the prison he was in was not like the prisons that we have today. There was a hole in the ceiling and people would go and uh, they could do what they like into that hole. He was not in a good environment. Yet in the midst of environment, he has said, I have learned how to be content and I have learned how to prosper. And then he goes on to say that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that means that you can prosper. You can do all things. You can experience the, the forward momentum. You can experience the strength of God in every part of your life, regardless of what you have done or anything like that. God wants you to prosper. I love it. Come on. Somebody. It's good for the people of God to prosper. You are the head and not the table. It's not the tail. It's a good thing for the house of God to prosper. I mean, why wouldn't it be? He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. So Jesus learned how to prosper. The Bible said that in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, Jesus continued to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. He was a man that was perfect in every way, but yet he moved forward. He was prospering, he was prospering internally. He grew in wisdom. He, when he grew in wisdom, that means he prospered in wisdom. He prospered in his internal life. He was a man perfect in every way, but yet he still prospered. He still grew in prosperity. He didn't just be, he was not just, he came as a child, he became a king. He was a king, but yet he still had to become a king. He came as a child. He didn't come into the world wealthy. He had to increase. He was perfect in every way, but he increased in every facet of his life. He experienced internal prosperity. He ex experienced um, external prosperity. He ex experienced relational prosperity. And he, he experienced spiritual prosperity. He experienced forward momentum. The Bible says clearly, he says he increased, continued to increase. So he didn't just get to a point and stopped increasing. 
He continued to increase. What it doesn't, what it doesn't say, it doesn't, what the Bible doesn't labor on is this, that he increased financially, but it implies through the Scripture that he did have a lot of money. He didn't start with a lot of money, but the reason he had a treasurer, Judas was a treasurer, because he had to carry a lot of money around. Sometimes it's a difficult thing to understand, but the point is the Scriptures don't labor on it because that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that he grew internally. The most important thing that he grew, there was an external growth. The most important thing, or the more important thing, that he grew relationally. He grew spiritually. He prospered in every part of his life. That's what set him up for ministry. It's one thing to grow spiritually, but it's another thing to grow relationally. Jesus grew relationally. He prospered relationally. People liked him. And I want to encourage you today that if Jesus prospered, Paul learned how to prosper. Jesus must have learned how to prosper. He wasn't a poor man. He learned how to prosper. So if he learned how to prosper, he learned how to prioritize prosperity. What was worth more? He was physically wealthy. He became physically wealthy. He must have to have a treasurer to look after all the money. But actually what he emphasized was actually true prosperity, which in Luke 12, verse 15, he said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So although he must have had an abundance uh, physically, actually his whole priority was, that a, was a, first of all, a spiritual abundance. He also had an internal abundance. He grew in wisdom. He grew relationally. So my encouragement to us as a church is this, is that let us never stop moving forward. Let us never stop growing in every part of our life. Let us not stop growing spiritually. Let us not stop growing emotionally. One of the things that you'll find is this, and... Um, I was just talking to Dad about it during the week, is that, and I'm going to come back to where I've been preaching on this, is the journey of the Israelites, where how the Israelites came out of captivity, they came out of limitation, and they began on a journey uh, through the desert, and then they became into the promised land. And you see now that what's, you know, thousands of years later, they are one of the most wealthiest nations in the world. They still own all the money. They still produce a huge amount of value into the world today. And so one of the things I've been feeling God speak to me about and, and, and through the Scripture is the journey of the, of the Israelites, that it was one thing for them to come out of slavery. It's another thing to stop running from something. It's another thing to begin to prosper. We talked about that with, with Exodus, that where the book of Exodus was all about them is escaping or getting away from something bad or getting away from negativity. The book of Leviticus was about the call of God, but the book of Numbers is actually about moving forward. There's quite a big difference between running away from something, getting out of debt, into having a place in the desert where you, uh, you've got the presence of the Lord. But it's another thing to move forward into a place of perpetual prosperity. Again, pr- prosperity is not a static position that you just get to. Prosperity is perpetual. You can keep growing in it. You can keep developing in it. You can never stop de- developing and, and, and moving forward. The moment you stop, the moment you stop in a part of your life, you will find you will start to regress back. And uh, I want to just open up the Scriptures on this because at some point we need to start with prosperity. We need to get on the bandwagon. We need to start moving forward in the parts of our lives. And this is where I want to uh, start to really unpack the Scripture for you. Uh, so as you recall, last time I preached, we spoke, I, I preached on 
where Leviticus, it's very easy to get to a point in our life where we're not running from anything anymore. We're carrying no debt. There's no, we're not struggling with the, the, the bondage of the past anymore. Sure, we've got, some, we've got issues in our life, but we've got no major hang-ups so much as, I- anymore. We are, we're free from that section of our life. It's one thing to be free of something. It's another thing to learn to start to turn a direction and start thinking forward. One of the big issues for the Israelites is this. They had to stop thinking about what's behind them. They had to start thinking about moving forward. And this is where it all starts. And I want to encourage you in this, that when you, and you'll find that uh, healing and... He, there are things that run, run parallel in the Scripture. There's things that run parallel in our lives. It's not that you don't need... When you stop running from something, it doesn't mean that you don't need healing anymore. Because what you'll find is this, is that the moment that you start to move forward in some area of your life, the moment that you even just make the decision in your heart that you're going to move forward, one of the things that you'll find is we'll flush things up inside of your heart. So it's not that you're struggling with, de- you're not that you're struggling with all these major hang-ups, but you'll find that the moment that you make the decision to start to move forward in a part of your life, things will flush up. That's why we be... And moving forward, that means that we also got to examine what's going on in our heart and be prepared for God to enlarge us and to deal with things in our heart. I can guarantee it. The moment I've decided in my heart that I'm going to move forward in a part of my life, any area, doesn't really matter. The moment, put it this way, the moment you decide to move forward financially, guess what? There's going to be a big flat screen TV on sale. It's a special once-in-a-lifetime deal. The moment that you even think about fasting. Somebody has a birthday. Somebody has a party. Somebody says, we've got a dinner party. All of a sudden, the moment you start to fast, all of a sudden, pork spare ribs are just on a special somewhere. Lord, Why? People understand, you get this. eh? The moment that you start to push forward by thinking, I want to grow in God, you'll find that things will start to flush up. The moment that you step up into a leadership position, the moment that you start to take some responsibility, the moment that you just start to move forward in a part of your life, you'll find that God will flush something up. That's why things, we've got to, it's not just about ignoring the past or we never stop needing healing. Actually, we do need healing, but it's, things run in parallel, but we'll we'll open that at another time. But I want to start to look at the book of Numbers, and you'll find the book of Numbers, how relevant this is is right now, how how beautifully it fits with your whole concept of prosperity. You'll think, what's the book of Numbers got to do with prosperity apart from counting? When I started to look at it, I started to think, well, this book has got so much in terms of moving forward, and there's so much in it that will help you to move forward. As I started to read the book of Numbers, it's, I thought, my goodness, God, you're stunned to teach so much, so much to me about it. So the, the book of Numbers, it's the start of the journey forward. In other words, it is the beginning of prosperity. Think prosperity moving forward. Right? So the book of Numbers starts when they start to turn their face towards the promised land. That is the starting point. It is the next book of 
stopping from running away from something to turning and facing the promised land. So it's, a, it's the start point. Somebody say the beginning of prosperity. The beginning of prosperity. There's a start point to prosperity. You don't just get it. You start somewhere. You deliberately learn it and plan it in your heart. Let's unpack this a little bit more. The name of the book does not mean about counting a whole bunch of people or about counting a whole bunch of things. Although the English word numbers would imply to a, to a large degree that it's just about a whole bunch of people. It's not about that at all. It's actually a strange, I don't even know why they call it the book of numbers, but let me, uh, let me unpack this for you and you'll find that there is so much revelation in here. The name of the book comes from two censuses taken of Israel. So it's not about ca- counting a crowd of people. It's not about Moses saying, okay, we've come out of the promised land, we've come out, out of Egypt now, how many people have got left? How many people made it through that journey? How many people made it through the Red Sea? How many people, how much money we got left? Understand this. And as I started to read this, I felt the Lord drop into my heart again. The Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, did not come out financially poor. The Scripture will tell us that when they came out of Egypt, that they carried the gold of Egypt. Where else did they get the gold to build the temple? It came from somewhere. They had a lot of possessions, material possessions, but one of the things that will find that they, in their hearts, they were still bound up. They had money, they had, in that expression, it was, it was gold, and they had material things, they had flocks, and they, had, they carried wisdom. There was so much wealth, tangible wealth, that they brought out of Egypt. With the eyes, when you looked at them, you would see that they would appear to be prospering. However, one of the things that we can see was actually in their hearts, they weren't prospering. And so this, although God had blessed them, one of the things that they had to do was they had to learn to be prosperous. God was not going to just bring them into a promised land without journeying them through a process that they would learn to be prosperous inside of their heart and in terms of their thinking. And this is where it gets interesting. So the whole book of Numbers comes about by two censuses taken from, uh, from the Israelites. You'll notice that in the start of in, in Numbers chapter 1, there is a counting of people. That, and, and from Numbers chapter 4, there is another counting of people. So it's, it, but it was not about counting as numbers as such. It was, it was something completely different. And let's, let's unpack this for you right now. The word numbers is connected to the Hebrew word naso, which is spelled N-A-S-O. And you'll find that the word naso has an extraordinary large amount of meanings and applications. It's an amazing thing about, about different languages that... Uh, if you hear an English word, sometimes it doesn't fully encapsulate the meaning of it. For example, the Japanese have about 50 words that express happiness. 50 different words that express happiness. They've got a whole bunch of vocabulary that actually they can use to describe different forms of happiness. 50 words. So you'll find that different languages will have different ways of expressing sentiments and have different meanings inside the words. So the Hebrew word naso has a whole pile of different, they're all connected to this one word, but you'll find that there's a whole bunch of applications, there's a whole bunch of expressions that are connected to this root word of naso. And what I want to do is be able to help unpack this for you because you'll find that within this word, naso, there is a whole pile of wealth. There is a whole pile of things that we can learn from it. 
And this is where I want to unpack. So it starts off, the Hebrew word numbers comes from the word naso. Let's look at Numbers chapter 1. I'm not, going to just, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I'm just going to encapsulate it a little bit for you. The first word was this, where it says that in Moses chapter 1, you'll find that Moses, first of all he did was he called men out from the families and tribes. In other words, he said, get all the men that fit into this age bracket from these particular tribes, from these particular families, and I want them to call them out. And so the, the guys around Moses went, and went around the tribes of Israel and, and called all these men to, stand, to come out to meet with Moses. So the Bible says that actually when they came out, they came out and took their place before Moses. And it's interesting that one of the first things Moses got them to do is to recite their whakapapa. Boys, where are you all from? What tribe are you from? What's your family? What's, what's your family name? Tell me where you're from. Tell me your identity. Tell me what tribe you're from. Tell me what family you're from. You tell me. So the Moses gets all these people out and they, they all stand in front of Moses and recite their name. You think, what has this got to do about numbers? One of the definitions of numbers is this. It means to lift or to raise. One of the definitions, or one of the primary definitions of the word naso or numbers, is to lift or to raise. There are different words. If it was just about counting people, there would have been a different Hebrew word used to describe actually about counting people. But it's not about, and the book of Numbers was certainly not about how many people we're talking about. What he's talking about is this naso needs to lift the head or to raise the head. Somebody getting me here today. So what did I start with? Prosperity is something that can be learned. So for the first thing they had to do in their journey to prosperity, first of all, he called some people out. In other words, he said, Tutangata. What does that mean? <laughs> it means to stand up, to stand tall. So the first thing he did, he got to the heads of the founder. He got to the head of the community. Because if you're going to change something, you have to start with the... If you're going to learn to prosper, where do you start? Not at the lotto shop. The beginning of prosperity does not start at the lotto shop. The beginning of prosperity does not start when granddaddy dies and passes you the house or the farm or whatever it is. That's not the beginning of prosperity. The beginning of prosperity, the beginning to get forward momentum inside of your life, for us to move forward in our life, the first place it starts is the head. And you can think that you, we can, and, and this is where I want to unpack over the, over the next little while, not today, but I'm just going to mess you with you a little bit today. But I want you to begin in your heart to think, actually, God wants me to prosper. 
for some people you have experienced in your life to this point a, a, a lack of forward momentum. Maybe it's been a generational thing that every person in your family has never, never once has somebody owned their own home. That's a form of captivity. It's not a, it, it, it's, what say that you could be the first person to own your own home? What say you could be the first person to get a degree in your family? For some people, they live their whole lives. They never get forward momentum. In other words, they live their life where abuse is common. They live their life where uh, uh, depression is the, is the predominant thing in their life. They never move forward. For some people, the kids never really grow up into the fullness of what they've got, the fullness of the greatness that's inside of their heart. For some people, their whole world is, they, they, it, it just doesn't seem to move forward. They just don't seem to progress. Generation after generation remain in a place of bondage. They could have a whole pile of cash, money come through their hands, but no forward momentum. But the moment somebody starts to say, think differently. I know people here today, you, uh, I'm not going to name you, but you know who you are, that you never thought it would be possible that you could own your own home, yet alone have an investment property as well. Hello? <laughs> For some people, they never thought they could have a business that not just existed but prospered. They got so used to it, there's nothing wrong with working for somebody, but what I'm saying is this, is that within the hearts of every person, especially if you're a believer, there is greatness. I love what Matua Henere, you've, you've done with their, all your children. It's like you've, 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 you've inspired them to, to lift up their eyes, to lift up their thinking, to see what they can become. Sometimes we get so used to sitting at a church of a few hundred that we, don't, that we just think a few hundred, not thinking and not understanding that God wants us to prosper. Prosper meaning that we're continuing to increase numerically every year. Why not 10,000? Why not 1,000 people? Why not? Why not? Why can't your family be prosperous? Why can't your relationships be healthy? Why not? Why can't your marriage? Some people, you sit in your marriage and you think, this is my lot for the rest of my life. Why does it have to be that way? Why? You wander in the desert, you've got a whole pile of gold around you, but you've settled, you've stopped moving forward. You may, have, you may be worth a, a several million dollars, but not prospering. Ooh. You may only have $2 to your name, but be full on prospering. Doesn't mean that you stay with $2. My point being is this, that when Moses spoke, he had to get them to a point of getting away from slavery mentality to thinking prosperity, thinking about a, a land of their own, a, a, a land of, of, of perpetual milk and honey. The first thing he had to do was to start at the head, in a literal sense. You, when you read Scripture, actually there are so many definitions, there are so many applications that can start, that you can take out. And this is the most amazing thing. It means to, so one of the first things he did was he called out the men 
The man is the head of the house. There's no doubt about it. That is the way that God ordained families and communities to operate. That It's not to say that women can't be leaders or anything like that. I'm not going to... The point being is there is an order. God has an order. When you align yourself to that order, you will find that you'll experience prosperity. So the first thing he had to do was call men out. There was a man of a certain age, and he called them to recite their whakapapa. The point being is this. The whole word naso means to lift the head, to lift it in a, 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 in a literal sense, to lift up your perspective, to lift up your eyes. To lift up your thinking. Stop thinking this level. Start thinking here. Stop thinking tens. Start to think a hundreds. Stop thinking a hundreds. Start to think a thousands. Stop thinking a thousands. Start to think a millions. Why not? Why not? Yes, you can be a content, but it doesn't necessarily mean you stay there. You can schedule and you can plan your prosperity. Today, I am emotionally prosperous because somebody planned it. It started somewhere. It started with somebody thinking something. It started with somebody thinking not just my own lifetime, but my kids and my grandkids. My emotional prosperity to a large degree, I don't have any hang-ups with my mum and dad. I have a great relationship. I am prosperous in my relationship with them. Why? Because to a large degree, he planned it. Let that thing sink in. If dad, if you're watching, I love you. <laughs> I told him just before, I said, like, we're going to go live on Facebook soon. He was a very busy man. When he was uh, younger, when he was um, a bit younger than me, one of the things that he did was he ran a school, pastored a church, principal of the school, and got a family of, at that time it was six, now they're seven. Very, very busy man, yet... One of the things he did was this, was he made time for every one of us. He learned in his thinking. His thinking was that actually my life is not made up of just the things that I'm doing, but it's the people that are around me as well. He had foresight. He lifted his thinking in that that one day my kids aren't going to be kids anymore. And so he, he invested emotionally into my life. He still invests emotionally into my life. He invested spiritually into my life. He's invested financially into my life. But before him, my granddad also did the same thing. My granddad, his thinking was not just about how can I just retire early and go play golf. His thinking was I'm going to retire early and invest the rest of my life into building my family, into building my kids, and build my kids' kids, and to build a ministry. That is, to a large degree, why many of you are sitting here today. Why you experience this. It's because somebody back then made a decision that their life would prosper. That there would be an emotional prosperity, that there would be a financial prosperity, that there would be a, a, a relational prosperity. It takes an investment somewhere. To build emotionally prosperous, to, to be building emotionally prosperity, you've got to build into yourself. You've also got to build into others. The question is, 
How much are you building? How much are you investing? What are you investing into your spiritual life? Because at one day, you're going to stand before God himself and give an account of your life. For so many people, they will spend hours planning their finances, but yet, a skerrick, spending not a skerrick of investment into prayer, not a skerrick of investment into reading the Word of God, not a skerrick of investment into the things that really matter. If we want to prosper, one of the first places it's good to prosper is one in our walk with God. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things shall be added unto you. So church should be the first thing on your mind, coming into the house of God, receiving and and building a relationship for yourself with the Lord. It's got to be one of the first things that you and I need to be investing into. That's why it's good to fast, to pray, and to, to meditate on the Word of God, to allow His Spirit, Wairua Tapu, to come and fill your life. Holy Spirit wants to lead us into, uh, into spiritual prosperity. That's essentially what ministry is based on, <laughs> to a large degree. You can't be a minister if you haven't built something in your life. Boom. My encouragement to you today is that Moses called out the men from the tribes and said, lift your head. In other words, lift your thinking. You can tell that the quality of people's lives is largely based around the quality of their thinking. It's not whether you can do algebra or not. It's the quality of your thinking. Learning how to not just see in front of you, but to be able to learn to see both in front of you and down the path, to be able to think generations. When I was studying, I um, had the honor to be able to look at some of the Maori organizations, start to look at the, the Maori businesses. Many of them now are starting to plan 300 years in advance. In other words, their thinking is that of how do we want things to be in 300 years' time? And so let's work back and adjust what we do now that in order that when 300 years comes by, we will have what we need to have, that we will be in a, in a prosperous state. Hmm. One of the things I, uh, one of the places I went to was uh, uh, IBM. Had, had the honor to go to IBM Research Center. It's just a fantastic center. And one of the things that they talked about there was the whole idea of think. Now, Thomas Watson, implemented the, who's the, one of the founders of IBM, implemented the slogan, think. And they've even um, they've trademarked it or something in, in terms of uh, IBM. But everywhere you go within that facility, there's always think. You'll see the word think. That's why they have the word think pad. You know, the little think, think book or the think pad. Every, when I went there, everything they had think everywhere. The reason being is this. That company today is one of the most innovative companies in the world. Everything about Thomas Watson was this. How do I increase the level of their thinking? So one of the things he did was this, was he employed researchers to research the researchers. In other words, this. Those who are on the front line of pushing the boundaries forward, of, move, of getting the development to move, one of the things he did was this. He understood that... It was important that their thinking remained progressive and their thinking did not remain uh, narrow or get short-sighted. So one of the things he did was he employed people to watch those people to make sure that their thinking didn't get insular. 
because he knew the moment that their thinking got insular, the moment that their thinking got small, the moment that their thinking got just in front of their faces like this, at that point they would start to regress. Hmm. You'll find that when I went there, they had that little notebook and it said think. The word was everywhere. Why? Because it was there to inspire people to think, to lift up your imagination, to lift up your eyes, to lift up your quality of thinking. And to make sure that I'll get people to make sure, to get around your life, to make sure that your thinking remained lifted. This is a secular company doing that. If we want to come into a place of prosperity... One of the first things we have to do is to change our thinking. To lift up our eyes. It means to lift here. One of the things I studied was change management. In other words, when an organization got to a place where they wanted to change. One of the first things about change management is this. It starts somewhere. There is a, there is a start point to change. The start point is always at the head. So even in organizations, what they did, if they don't change the thinking, if they don't change the head, the, the, the head and the head, if, they, if they're able to change here, then the effect cascades down everywhere else. Are we getting this this morning? So change management, if you want to change in your life, if you want to change from here to start to progress further, it starts by changing your thinking. Change starts by lifting up your eyes, starts, to, starts by uh, seeing the world in a different way. And, I, and I'm going to unpack this for you in a couple of weeks because there are, there are things that get into our heart that can distort the way that we see the world. That's why we need healing, because the moment that you come up to opportunities, you'll find that it will challenge the constraints or the restraints that are in your heart. It'll challenge the pain that people sit in. The moment that there is an opportunity, the moment that we have to move forward, the moment that God calls us forward, you'll find it will flush things up. It will distort the way that you see the world. It will distort the way that you see what you see. That's one of the reasons when you lift your head, it's not just about lifting your thinking. It's also about lifting your perspective. When your head is down here, you only see what's in front of you. Your vision will be short-sighted. I'll be preaching on this tonight at the, at the, at the school. But when your head is down, when you're just a, a number or a face in the crowd, you'll only think just this far in front of you. You'll only see this far in front of you. But when Moses wants to bring the people into prosperity, into a place of promise, he had to lift their thinking. He had to pull people out. He had to get their eyes lifted up. Maybe you're here today and your perspective in life, what you see in the world around you. For some people, your perspective may be, what's in the TV guide this week? Your perspective could be, how am I going to survive this week? So that's the difference between shifting from a survival mentality into a prosperous mentality. What can I put aside for another day? What can I put aside financially? What can I invest into? What do I need to invest into now that will produce a harvest down over here? I just want to start your thinking. I want you to, to jog your thinking, to start for you to, for you to start to reflect on your life. Young people, I want to encourage you today. Don't just be thinking, how can I just leave, 
leave school and get a job that pays $600 a week. It may seem big now, but by the time you get a little bit down the track, it's chicken feed. Why not believe a little bit higher? Why not believe that you can be paid? You can invest into yourself, invest time, invest uh, into your thinking. Why not, instead of being paid $600 a week, why not think and believe that you can be paid $600 an hour? lift your eyes just a little bit higher why not just think instead of thinking about should I come to church this week or should I not come to church this week why not think a little bit higher and think what can I invest into how can I invest into my spiritual life how can I invest, I invest time I'm going to start fasting I start to, start to make an investment into my life and I know some of you may be busy but why not start to think about the investment you're making into your family to the kids around you into your emotions. What investment can you make into your emotions? I can tell you one bit of investment that you could make would be this. Sign up for an Elijah House course. Get some input into your emotions. Learn to understand what's going on inside of your heart. Learn how to get wholeness and healing inside of your heart because if you can do that, it will affect everything else. Get into a spiritual freedom course. Get into a seminar. Get to church. Get to a place where you're hearing the Word of God. Get to a place where you're praying. Invest even just start somewhere. Start somewhere. And one day you will one day we stand before God. At that point, all that matters is how you stand with your relationship with God. The eternal investment that you've made into the world. For some people, if you want to, may, may I encourage you to this. Start investing. Just start investing five minutes a day. Then progress that. Start to lift that. Start to lift it to a point where you are believing to spend an hour a day with the Lord. Invest into your spiritual. What about into your kids? Instead of just letting the kids run wild, take time to invest some love into some words, into some, some, some emotion into your children. Because one day they'll leave home. Sometime. I know you've got a busy life. I know there's golf to play. I know there's TV programs to watch. I know there's food to buy. I know there's all these things to have. There's all these things that we can have in our life. But what really matters? Man's life does not consist on the abundance of his possessions. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his own soul? beginning of prosperity starts with our head. Maybe you're here today and you just thought small. Let me just start to think a little bit bigger. I love what um, I don't know who it was but they said if you're the smartest person in your friends get a new set of friends. In other words get into an environment where you start to lift your thinking. Get around, make, a, make, an, uh, make an effort to get some around people that can lift your eyes, that can start to help you think a little bit bigger. One of the things I'll be doing, I'll make the investments. I can make an investment, make the time to get around people that help me think a bit bigger. Help me grow in my spirit. That's why I love getting around uh, Pastor Meldonado, Apostle Meldonado, 
Why not believe for something a little more? Why not believe for this? Why not believe for something greater? Let's make it enough value in our life that we would at least begin to prosper. Prosper spiritually. Prosper internally. Prosper relationally. Prosper financially. I do believe, and I'm convinced of this, that it's the will of God that we would prosper. Just got to start somewhere. Just close your eyes and just bow your heads. I've only just started the word Nasso, but it's, you'll find how powerful this is. Maybe you're here today and you're, you've just stopped moving. There's no forward momentum in your life anywhere. You've stopped investing in your marriage. It doesn't matter whether you're 80 years old. It does not matter. I love how mum and dad are operating, but in their 70s, they're still investing into their marriage. Still lifting their heads, still lifting their spirits, still thinking bigger, thinking higher. Still investing into people, still investing into their own self. Maybe you're here today and you've stopped, you've just got to a point of stagnation. I want to encourage you today. Start to lift up your head, start to lift up your eyes. Tutangata, stand up, rise up. Rise up in your thinking. Rise up in your spirit today. Let's not be brought down by the spirit of small spirit that people bring around us. Let's not be in our heart. Let's not sit down in our spirit. Let's rise up when it comes to praise, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to worship. Let's rise up in our spirit. Let's not just sit there passively, but praise when you give, when you praise, when you when you pray in tongues, it's an investment into the spirit. Revelation 4, it talks about that. That as we pray, that our prayers are stored up in a goblet of heaven. There comes a time when it's poured out over our lives. If you want the fragrance of the Holy Spirit in our life, if you want that fragrance of the Holy Spirit over your life, it's gonna, it comes by an investment of prayer. It comes by an investment of worship. It comes by an investment of getting the Word of God inside of your life. If you want to use be moved powerfully by God, it will come by an investment into your life. And it comes by... Investing emotionally, investing spiritually, investing in part of your life. It starts to think. It starts with your thoughts. And I pray that today, that at this point, that wherever you are, that you would lift your eyes. Today, I sense in my heart that God is calling us out, that God is calling you and I to lift our thinking. For me personally, I'm feeling in my own heart. Actually, I want to lift my prayer life. I want to invest into my emotions. I want to invest into my finances. I want to invest into my prayer life. I want to invest into my marriage, into my kids. Because I'm going to learn how to prosper. Come on, why don't you just stand to your feet today? Father, I thank you for your goodness. Father, I thank you today. It is your plan and your purpose for us to be moving forward in our life. I know, Lord, I'm convinced that it's not your plan that we would just remain stagnant. Lord, I pray for every household here today. I pray for the heads of the houses here today. Pray for the men as they lead their their homes. I pray, Lord, today that even as Moses called the men out, Pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would 
put a pull on the men's hearts today in Jesus' name. That you'll cause them to lift their thinking, to lift their perspective on life. Lift their eyes just beyond their own little world, but lift their eyes to the harvest and lift their eyes. Father, I pray today that you cause every one of us in the church here to lift our eyes to see what can become, what we can do as a church. Lord, help us to begin to prosper in Jesus' name. Go on, just lift your hands in His presence today. Wairo Atapu, we welcome you. Welcome you in our lives. Spirit of truth, comfort of God. Lift up our eyes today. Lift up our thinking. You are the lifter of our heads. Where we get disappointed about how things haven't worked out. Disappointed over failures. Disappointed over what didn't work out. I pray today, Lord, that you would come and that you would lift hearts, that you would lift spirits today. Today we worship you. We lift our heads to you, Lord. We lift our hands to you. We honour you, King of kings and Lord of lords. We honour you in our midst, great great I am. We honour you in our lives today, Holy Spirit. Why don't you make a decision today that you will lift your head every day, that every morning that you would lift your head. Lord, enlarge me today. Lord, enlarge my heart. Lord, enlarge my thinking. Lord, enlarge my spirit. I don't want to just settle. I want to prosper. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I'm going to prosper financially. My business is going to prosper. My family is going to prosper. My, my loved ones around me are going to prosper emotionally. I'm going to prosper spiritually today. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.